With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. school graduation photo, Melanie Cabet looks tall and statuesque, maybe even a bit stiff and stuffy. She wasn't. Cabet stood five foot tall, barely weighing a hundred pounds. If you look at a candid photo of her, the picture changes. She appears casual, confident, Maybe even a bit mischievous. Melanie was uh, independent on the early morning of her disappearance, June 22nd, 1994. She was at a friend's watching a Robert Altman movie around 1.45 a.m. She left with a former boyfriend at the corner of Rue Fleury and... Basile Rothier, along the eastern face, southeastern face of Parka Hunsik, she asks for his sweater. It was cold that June morning, before walking further southwestish to catch a late night bus at the corner of Fleury and Barry back to her mother's place. In July, she planned to move in with her father in Pointe-aux-Trembles. She was going to travel with friends to Virginia later that summer, and she'd purchased a ticket, a rather expensive ticket, to the July Montreal Jazz Festival. Melanie is 19 years old, said her father, Philippe Cabet. She could go where she wanted, whenever she wanted. Standing there at the bus stop at Berry and Fleury, across from Hunsick Park, in her Yes t-shirt and former Bose gray sweater, at age 19, she was every inch a young 1990s version of Teresa Allure. Star Voyager. The last of the independents.
today, uh, June 22nd, uh, 2019, is the 25th anniversary of the disappearance of Melanie Cabet. She disappeared uh, early on a Wednesday morning, June 22nd, uh, 1994, uh, in the early hour mornings, so... um, uh, about one forty-five in, in the morning, as we said uh, uh, earlier, that she was last seen at that at that bus stop or heading to that bus stop along um, uh, the edge of Park Ahansik in uh, Ahansik Cartierville, which is just uh, to, on the north end of in somewhat in the middle of Montreal. There's a large subway station there on the Henri Barassa subway station um if you're ever in montreal it's easy to visit um now i know i recover i covered um Kebe's case once before um in the second season in an episode called detritus uh i went back and listened to it uh, the night before i didn't construct this episode with the knowledge of the other episode i did it independently and we're going to do this in two parts this is part one mainly focuses on Melanie. Um, and I went back and, uh, as I said, I listened, uh, um, missed a few things. I, I added a few details. But in general, they stand apart. The um, the the original broadcast is more uh, focused on uh, the, the days of disappearance and uh, what her friends and families did to try and locate Melanie. So we won't focus as much on that. Um, we'll focus on, uh, some, uh, some other things. Um, the other thing is uh, where this is leading to is, uh, you know, in that original, uh, there's a lot that has happened since that original podcast. So I'd like to definitely give an update. Um, and, uh, you know, for goodness sakes, the person who I think is, um, uh, is the most probable suspect in her disappearance and, and, and murder. I don't even name in the original broadcast. I, I talk about some other people. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, a lot of the ideas in the original uh, podcast are a little fractured. Um, uh, um, not quite uh, sure, you know, going with some ideas. There's, I, I think I, I mentioned a lot of um, other uh, disappearances and murders uh, from the time, I think as a way to kind of just throw those ideas out there and see if anybody is going to, you know, take a bite or come back with more information. No one ever did. Um, you know, one thing that is mentioned in it is uh, the uh, the boutique uh, clerk murders of Danielle Laplante and Claire Sampson. And of course, what we now know um, is... Uh, 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 Agostino Ferreira, the uh, uh, Quebec serial killer, was responsible for those two murders. But uh, what is kind of interesting is all of this was going on at the same time in the early 90s. So um, a very tense time in Montreal. You had the mass shootings uh, at École Polytechnique in 1989, I believe. So a very, very, very tense time. Uh, so... Um, we're going to go back uh, and we're going to honor uh, Melanie Cabet and, and retell uh, her story with some some additional information. Um, 
just from that opening, I, I, I you know, the the standard photo of Melanie is that uh, graduation photo, you know, and she's sort of in an academic gown with flowers. It looks very formal. And unfortunately, they always look that way that when someone disappears, uh, you know, they, they manage to find in some ways the, the clearest representation of the victim, but not necessarily the most honest representation. Um, you know, the photos of my sister, you know, she looks like either like a, a little angel or in some of the photos the police use later, like the devil itself. Tracy was a scallywag, and I don't, I've never really seen the photo that captures that. Uh, Melanie seems th- th- similar in some ways. Uh, I found some candid photos of her. Uh, we'll get to where later. And as I, there's a there's a an element of mischief in her uh, that that is I've never seen revealed. And of course, she's a fully completely a, a human being as she was with a life and expectations and dreams, and they got squashed like that. Um, <clears throat> it seems like every uh, you know every decade has um, its its victim. Uh, certainly, you know, in and particularly in Quebec. In Quebec, I think the '70s were all about Sharon Pryor. Uh, in some ways, the '80s were about um, uh, the boy Sebastian Metivier, who's still missing, uh, who disappeared in 1984. Uh, the 2000s, the late '90s, are all about Cédrica Provencher. The '90s sort of belong. Early '90s belonged to Melanie Cabet. She became. Um, the poster child for uh, misfortune uh, in Quebec and particularly on the island of Montreal that summer of 1994 when there was just so much going on. Um, And I think it's interesting, we'll get to it, but the point of intersection between the victim and the offender, you know, as, as long as the perpetrator is not caught, it becomes all about the, it's all about the victim um, and then, of course, in, the, in, in cases where they're unsolved, it it never stops being about the victim. Uh, we know very much about, uh, you know, Jean Benet Ramsey is all we hear. We don't hear anything about uh, the serial killer. We certainly hear about suspects, but we hear Jean Benet. We hear Chandra Levy, these, these kind of things. Uh, and although I can flip and, and things, uh, I, I certainly know who Ardith Wood is from the Ottawa area. I know that her offender, her murderer was captured. I can't tell you who the guy was. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I know that, uh, Alan Leger is a Canadian, uh, uh, rapist, uh, serial killer, uh, known as the monster of Miramichi. I could not tell you a single one of his victims. I know that he terrorized the New Brunswick area, uh, um, area, uh, I believe in the nineties, but I, um, I know that name. I don't know the victims. Um, so it, it can kind of pivot and, and change through, uh, through time. This is who killed Melanie Cabay. And I'm your host, John Elore. You don't know. What love is Until You learn the meaning 
Cabay was found two weeks later in a wooded area by an off-road motorcyclist near Mascouche, about 25 kilometers northeast of Montreal. She was found naked, the body too decomposed to make a positive identification on that Tuesday afternoon, July 5th, 1994. The motorcyclist Michel Chartier said he was on a dirt road when he detected a foul odor around 1 p.m. The smell led him to a pile of roofing shingles. I noticed a white piece of material sticking out from under a pile and I thought it might be a dog or a big raccoon. He lifted up the shingles with a stick and discovered a body lying face down, clad only in a pair of white socks. The body was found about half a kilometer from a road near Highway 640 at Monte Dumais and surrounded by other construction materials like bricks and wood. Cabet was strangled and had been struck on the head with an object. Due to the state of decomposition, it was not possible to determine whether she had been sexually assaulted. Later, it is reported that Mascouche police are investigating another assault in the area. On June 23rd, the day after Cabet disappeared, a man sexually assaulted a Montreal woman at the same location. The woman got a lift from a man headed toward Mascouche around 11.30 p.m. A verbal fight ensued, and the man abandoned her on the highway. She tried to hitchhike home, but was picked up by this second man. He took her to the same wooded area where Cabet was found and sexually assaulted her. It is noted that this is an area in the Mascouche region known as a lover's lane. The woman provided a detailed description of her assailant, and the police drew up a sketch. The man was described as between 30 and 40 years old, standing 5 foot 7 and weighing between 200 and 240 pounds. He had blue-green eyes medium-length, light brown hair, and big hands with short fingers. And as always is the case, I will put on the website theresalore.com, T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E.com, point com. Uh, Anything that I'm describing, I will put uh, visually, including composite photos and in the course of um, telling this tale we will um, refer to several composites now on September 21st 1988 so we're going back six years uh, a young girl named Melanie Temperton 
went to visit a friend in Ahansik. Uh, she vanished and she's not been seen since. Uh, Melanie Temperton, who was 20 at the time and had just started work as a secretary, had called home to say she was spending the night at her friend's apartment. When Melanie failed to show up the next night at uh, the family's home in Saint-Laurent, which is a neighboring community near uh, Cartierville, Ahansik, her mother, Gwen Temperton, called the police. In some accounts, she was supposed to return to the family's summer cottage in Mascouche, about 10 minutes from where Cabaye's body was found. Um, but the, uh, the, the family sometimes stayed at this place, uh, though uh, in some seasons they rented it out, this uh, chalet, this cottage, for extended periods of uh, time. It, uh, and this is... Uh, so, so the the one connection point of Mascouche is interesting. This next point is uh, even more interesting. It um, it was later revealed that the family learned that on the night she disappeared, Melanie didn't stay with her friend, but she stayed at the Metro Motel at nine nine two five Rue uh, La Jeunesse in Ahansik, and the Metro is. Um, a block and a half, maybe two blocks maximum, from the bus stop where Melanie Cabet was last seen. I know that's a six-year interval, but just stay with me. I would, um, I would just take the Temperton information and acknowledge it and store it. The, the the metro was known as the sort of place where prostitutes frequented with uh, clients. Uh, it was used by escorts. This is this is not to suggest uh, Melanie Temperton fell into prostitution. She just may have been at the wrong place at the wrong time. Her mother uh, always suspected Melanie's ex boyfriend, though there's there's always been something in Gwen's retelling of events uh, to the press, the media over the years, suggesting, um, I, I don't know, she's holding something back, um, doesn't appear completely forthcoming. And uh, for reasons unknown to us, um, uh, Melanie's story, according to the mother, um, changes quite a bit. Uh, but I don't want to I don't want to misconstrue this too much. It's just an observation. Um, Gwen Temperton, over the years in Montreal, has become a great uh, advocate uh, for the Missing Children's Network, uh, doing all kinds of charitable events um, um, for that cause in the Montreal area. Uh, now, I will post a map on uh, the website uh, this first map is really, really simple. It it shows where Cabet was last seen, where was she was going, and the Metro Motel. So it's it's a it's a very simple line. It shows you a Hunsik Park. There's a, there's a photo of it, but you can also, if you want, uh, you can click on the link. It will take you to an interactive version of the map. So if 
if you want to go down to Street View and take a look at you know, what the surrounding areas around the bus stop look like or what the Metro Motel looks like now, you can do all of that sleuthy things. Uh, um, the map will become more complex as we go along, but start with the simple version. Um, I've kind of explained it to you here. You don't, you don't have to see it. I think as we as we progress, you're going to need the, the, the visual aid because we're going to start adding um, geographic points. to tip my hand about um, editorializing on things. Uh, prefer to just kind of let the telling um, speak for itself. But uh, no, this time around, I'm just going to telegraph events and say, um, in the weeks that followed, um, what unfolded for the friends and family of um, Melanie Cabet, in my opinion was completely disheartening. Um, on on July 20th, so we're, we're about two weeks uh, into the discovery of the body on July 20th, a concerned Montrealer offers a $15 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person or persons responsible for the murder of Melanie Cabay. Then... Um, about seven days later, on July 27th, another reward notice is published, this time in the amount of $10,000. It's not known why the amount was reduced. Nevertheless, uh, there it is. And the poster states that there's an expiration date of December 31st, 1994. So the clock is ticking, I guess, as it should. Um, nevertheless, on the same day, um to to the to the to the right of the Montreal Gazette you have this reward notice and it's encompassed um by this article that says rewards don't help nab murder suspects <sighs> say experts um and, and, and though I agree with that sentiment, I question the timing of the article at the peak of when public assistance could have benefited this case. Um, the article says it's becoming a familiar pattern. A young woman or girl is killed. Her body found a few weeks later by the police. Then reward posters spring up on telephone poles across the city. Now, just stop there for a moment um because i think i think any community should begin to question itself um at the complacency of such a statement uh in in my community where i live if such a thing were to happen it would not be familiar 
it would be jarring and disturbing. Um, but this has been in the, the, the norm in Montreal for at least half a century, uh, that you just complacent to someone's missing. Um, so then we become apathetic of even assisting, uh, with, uh, information or a possible recovery. Um, so the article continues, uh, but a Montreal urban community police homicide detective and a Montreal criminologist say they doubt the reward system works in cases of sex slayings or killings of young women and girls. Uh, the article goes on to say that um, in the case of, say, a bank robbery, uh, reward posters are uh, liable to work because uh, there are witnesses and also a robber might likely boast of their holdup to friends or to someone in a bar. Uh, not so much with a sexual murderer who is by nature, uh, I'd say, introverted. Um, and their crimes stem from a personal uh, pathology where it's, it's unlikely they're going to brag about such a thing at a local tavern. The exception, of course, might be a gang member where members share a, a similar pathology, but it would be uh, rare when some loner would divulge the details of such a crime. Um, the, the article mentions the offerings of rewards by the Sun Youth Organization for uh, information leading to the rest um, in the um, cases of Melanie Cabet, uh, uh, Marie Chantel Desjardins, We've talked a little bit about that case. Um, so just to refresh you, that was going on at the same time as Melanie. Uh, disappears in the St. Therese area, is found in, in some woods behind um, behind a mall. Uh, and uh, they also mentioned Tara Manning. We've not talked about Tara Manning. She's murdered in her home earlier that year. Um and, and Sun Youth criminologists uh, and the police, they all acknowledge it's rare for rewards to lead to arrests in such cases. And, you know, it just, it galls me because it's dispiriting. While I admit it's unlikely for a sex offender to boast and brag, it would still be possible for a concerned citizen to respond with critical information. They might observe a neighbor with strange proclivities, perhaps strange odors emanating from adjacent apartments. Uh, if you tell the public rewards don't work, the message they will receive is, then why bother to engage in the matter? Disappear. 
I care for you much too much. I I think at this point in the process, three weeks into the investigation, um, the 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 Cabe family probably felt that the forces that were supposed to help were working against them. Um, if the English press wasn't helping matters, neither was the French media. I um, often praise Allo police for their coverage in this era, but I, I should really clarify that praise. It has nothing to do with what they deliberately did something with intention on behalf of, of victims. Far from it. Um, uh, in, in taking a very pro-law enforcement stance in their coverage of crimes, um, I think we are all grateful in retrospect um, of the attention to detail in documentation of these crimes um, th- that uh, exist today. Um on behalf of archives such as Allo Police. Um, the, the paper often provided the names of investigators, uh, of legal professionals, uh, professionals of uh, others involved at the time in, in Quebec justice system. They provided precise addresses, um, intrusive at the time, um, as that might have been, to publish families' uh, addresses, but very helpful 30 to 40 years later in trying to establish uh, geographic imprint of criminology and victimology. Um, but to to grasp the full impact of their indifference to the families and friends of victims, you need go no further than to the stories published when Cabet went missing and was later found on the uh, on July 10th, Allo Police publishes an in-depth story on the disappearance of Cabet, uh, Disparation Fort Mysterieuse. And at the top of the article are three photos. Uh, they're like photo booth pictures of Melanie. And at the bottom of the page, there are two advertisements for phone sex line services. One um, with a highly uh, pornographic image. Now, imagine how Melanie's family felt seeing such a thing. Imagine the subliminal message it sends to readers. Uh, there's something unseemly about sex workers. Therefore, there's also something inappropriate about um, Melanie Cabet, perhaps. And then, and again, this is all online, TeresaLore.com. Take a look. At the second article, July 17th, uh, of Allo Police. So um, this time, you know, as is their uh, usual uh, method, there's a scandalous headline. We're all used to that. Uh, Naked, face down on the ground. And we see a photo of Melanie's mother holding a picture of her daughter with the heading... She believed her daughter was alive right up to the last minute. And beneath the headline is a picture of a topless woman in a corset, another ad for phone sex, uh, 514-976-4400. Listen, I'm no prude by any means. I just, I just question uh, the editor 
who thought this was a good idea. Uh, you know, I, as I say, it's a, it's a very useful tool today, but make no mis- mistake, although police typify this sort of yellow journalism found in American publications like William Randolph Hearst's New York World, you know, it was, it was the clickbait um, of, of its era. And just anecdotally, uh, and I think this is really telling, I, I've had two um, victims' family members uh, express to me what I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you in exactly the same way. They don't know each other, but they, in recalling the story of the, the murder of their loved one, they get to the point where somebody comes up to them and says, don't look at a low police today. Whatever you do, when you, when you go to Peretz or the Depeneur, don't look at a low police. And the in, insinuation is because you're, uh, you know, she's on the cover of it. And she's not represented in her in in the the best of um, fashions. Um, you know, when, when I I never read Allo Police at that time. My mother wouldn't have dared allow it in the house um, if my father even chose to read it. We wouldn't read it because we were English, obviously. I mean, I, but only time I remember seeing. Hello, police is, uh, you know, we live next to some woods in uh, the West Island and you'd go, you know, a bunch of, you'd go play in the woods, right? You'd ride your bikes in there, or you'd go catch frogs in there. And you'd usually, you know, somewhere deep, you know, in, in the recesses of those woods, you'd find like an old copy of a low police that there was some, you know, <laughs> skeevy guy went into the woods with and used this quite frankly, jerk-off material. You know, he went and, and masturbated in the woods to the, the titty photos in the back of a low police. That's what a low police w- was to us in the day. Down the road From a dark hope I know By what loading can be By the fall, a real resistance uh, was growing towards the this indifference, this complacency. Um, on Saturday, September seventeenth, nineteen ninety-four, a thousand w- women take to Montreal's downtown streets in the fourteenth annual Take Back the Night march. The marchers form a quarter-mile stream, waving banners, chanting slogans to protest violence against women. Um, The crowd marched with placards for uh, Chantal Brochu, Melanie Cabet, uh, Marie-Chantal Desjardins, and Tara Manning. Tonight, with the crowd, we will feel safe walking in the streets And I just wished it felt like this the other 364 days of the year, said Michel Issa, who had participated in the event for the prior eight years. March organizer Marianne Davis added, We are people who are fed up with not being able to go out at night to the corner store without being afraid of being 
sexually or physically abused. Uh, in early December, there's a glimmer of hope for some of the murdered young women. Robert LeBlanc had been charged with the murder of Chantelle Brochure. Uh, an arrest was imminent in the Tara Manning case. Late December, more bad news. Reports of three missing women in the Montreal area. Angelique Desjardins, Nancy Dufour, and Sonia Fitzak. On the first anniversary of the discovery of Melanie Cabet's remains, people march to denounce violence. The event is repeated a year later when 130 march in silent protest. Joining Melanie's mother, Marielle, is the family of nine-year-old Jolil Campo, murdered in Laval the previous summer. A fundraising car wash is held to raise money for a non-profit foundation in Melanie's honor to support families and friends of victims of violence, an early precursor of Quebec's AVPAD Foundation. Synchro! Synchro system! Synchro system! July 1997, three years after the uh, murder of uh, Melanie Cabet, marchers uh, and marchers are becoming a, a familiar, if diminished, event and pattern. Fifty people gather in Hunsik Park to remember uh, Melanie Cabet that year. Uh, by the end of the decade, the event will all but cease, taken up in the early 2000s by some other march, remembering some other woman who was the victim of violence. That's not to say uh, we should be discouraged by this. Um, in January 2019, uh, there was a woman's march at Place Emile Gamelin. Um, in the bitter cold, uh, as they did in Berlin, in Washington, in New York, Los Angeles, and beyond, women marched in Montreal um, in what is uh, known as the Me Too uh, movement. Um, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that uh, Melanie Cabet's uh, mother and family uh, were early uh, antecedents uh for the struggle of that that cause, I don't think that's a stretch at all. I think that's that's the truth, and they should be proud. They should be proud of their work. This is who killed Teresa. Today's uh, music. Uh, quite simply, this this is what Melanie Cabet would have heard had she lived and attended the 1994 Montreal Jazz Festival. 
the lineup from June 30th through July 8th included uh, Cassandra Wilson, Charlie Hayden, King Sonny Ade, Holly Cole, Dr. John, Joshua Redman. Uh, some housekeeping uh, things. Um, I'm on Spotify now. The podcast is on Spotify. I don't really know what that means because I freeload off my daughter's account. But uh, if um, you're a user of Spotify, um, you can listen to the podcast there now. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at um, at uh, Teresa Lore at T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E. There's a Facebook page called Who Killed Teresa? The Podcast. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, but I don't know what my, <laughs> my account number is. The Instagram thing was um, to give um, a visual representation of the podcast. Uh, that's the idea. I'm exploring it. Um, if you go to any of the listening platforms, oh, give, give it a review or something, wherever you listen. If you go to any of the listening platforms, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you'll notice that I, I, um, I obliterated my content. I did away with a bunch of episodes, um, uh, for reasons uh, some of you may have guessed, um, for reasons I really don't want to get into, but I really, um, I'll, I'll just say this, I, I think the content stands on its own, and I, I really don't have to, um, uh, I can take down what I want whenever I want. Um, I'm more interested in what I uh, have to explore and say now than something I did three years ago. I really don't have a whole lot of interest in discussing um, that. Having said that, I surprised the listenership didn't go down, although um, I am standing on the shoulders of uh, uh, Playa del Carmen in Mexico. I got this sudden surge of like uh, 800 listens last week. I, there must have been a... Uh, I don't know, a hurricane coming through the resort and you guys had nothing better to do than listen to Who Killed Teresa. I'm grateful, um, of course. I just I just don't know why you weren't on the beach that day. Um, but uh, nevertheless, the first significant listenership from Mexico, I'm happy, um, I'm happy, grateful that you're listening and listening and um, um, learning all this good information about Quebec uh, cold cases. So what we're going to do, I said this is in two parts. I'm going to pause. I'm going to come back on July 5th, uh, just short of two weeks from now. I'm going to come back on the 25th anniversary of the discovery of the remains of Melanie Cabay, I, I figure that's uh, an appropriate time to pick up um, this experience. So next time, who killed Melanie Cabay? I'm your host, John Allure. 
Have yourselves a great, great day.
Gym sessions and sweaty summer activities are back, which means more funky smells in your clothes because sweat leaves behind bacteria that causes those hard-to-remove odors. Clorox Fabric Sanitizer products are ready to zap the stink out of fabrics in your home by getting rid of 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria. Eliminate odors in every load or sanitize fabrics between washes with one of our Fabric Sanitizer products. Search Fabric Sanitizer at Clorox.com to learn more. When it counts, trust Clorox. Use as directed. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.